Some of y'all are about to do a double take. I'm going to try to speak extra loud in this mic because I know them fans is going, but some of y'all are about to do a, a double take. We had an event a week and a half ago, and I did a double take. We celebrated uh, Dasani and Stephen. They had their, their uh, baby shower right upstairs in the fellowship hall, and, and we was all kicking it there. Uh, their family was there. We was having a good time, and, and I grabbed me some green beans. I grabbed me this little um, salad thing they had. I got me some of the food. I got me a nice cold drink, and then uh, I made my way to the dessert. Now, I started eating this this, this cup that had banana pudding in it. And I looked at that banana pudding, and I looked again. I did a double take. Y'all, this banana pudding was so good. And so I'm looking like, 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 and as I'm looking at the pudding, a, another lady that I don't know walked past like the banana pudding, huh? <laughs> We didn't even know each other, but it was that good that we started connecting, and I just started hearing different mumbles. I think, Steve, you might say, man, that banana pudding hidden. Like, you started hearing it all around. When something is good, you, you begin to share about it. You begin to let others know. You begin to, like, want other people to have the experience, and, and everything was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was something a little special about that. Church family, we've been in a series about evangelism where we understand the beauty of who God is. And, and we've been talking about evangelism because God has done something amazing in our lives. Not that we deserved it, not that we earned it, but he still did a great work in us. And we are so moved by what God has done. We want to tell other people about it. And so, family, we've been in this series on evangelism and are going to continue to be in this series where we are looking at what it means to be reconciled to God so that we might rec see others reconciled. Reconciliation is just this, this understanding that a debt has been forgiven and we are made whole. We're brought back into the love of God and we want to see other people experience that same love, that they would taste and see that the Lord is good. Family, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17, where today we are going to look at this topic of evangelism. Now, a lot of y'all hear me say evangelism, and you get turned off right away. Because that term evangelism makes you think that there's this high bar set that I'm saying you need to go out on the corner and preach with a microphone right now. When you hear evangelism, you hear this, this, this high bar being set. And don't get it confused. There are some key components. We talked about last week the importance of declaring who God is and that the Holy Spirit will empower us for such a beautiful act and that Jesus sees there being a a great harvest, and he's looking out of his body and saying, where's the workers? There's many to be saved, but I'm looking for the workers. And so he has compassion on people. But this week, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, because we've been talking a little about what it means to talk, to share what evangelism actually is. And for some of my people who are like, well, pastor, 
what if I don't like to talk as much? What does evangelism look like for me? I got you. I got you this week. For, for you, I got, I got you this week. Let's look in John chapter 17. And if you're in the back row and you can hear me, just raise your hand and wave. Amen. All right. We got a, we got a fan right here, too. Uh, well, we got some cold air from the, from the gym coming in this way. So I'm hoping you catch a little bit of it. John chapter 16. We are going to start in verse 6. If you are, have the Pew Bible, can somebody tell us what page that is? 1538. 1538. Amen. Starting with verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you Scroll down to verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is Jesus saying a prayer for his disciples, for all that shall follow after. This is Jesus saying, if, if you want to know what Jesus thinks of you and what he wants to see happen in your life, listen to his prayer. His, his prayer, his seeking God on our behalf. He says, I've revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Notice that he says that his prayer is that they not be taken out of the world. That you and I are to be a light unto a broken world. That this world gets a chance to ask the question, what does Jesus look like? And Jesus is saying, I got a bunch of little me's around. I got a bunch of little examples that reflect the beauty of who I am. But he also prays that we would be protected. Protected from what? Protected from Satan. Because Satan seeks to destroy us. He seeks to roam and see us destroyed. He wants to see our lives crushed. Continue with me in verse, scroll down to 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may, that they too may be truly sanctified. 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 Somebody say sanctified. That means set apart for God's purposes. That means set apart to be used by God. That means we get a chance to have our, our, our reflection, our image, what we, what we represent and who we are begin to look more and more like Jesus. There's a, a, a battle that's been going on since the, the, the age of time. Whenever a family has a baby and the baby is new, the mom and dad look at the baby and start saying, well, I think he look a little bit more like me. No, no, no. He looked a little bit more like me. That, 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 that battle goes back and forth, back and forth. And what you have to do is you have to go get baby pictures of the adults to really see who the baby looks more like in that moment. But over time, as the child develops and their features become more clear, you begin to start seeing who the child favors more. 
the child will begin to look like one of the parents usually. That's a, it's like a sanctifying work. As, as, as Christians, we maybe at your infancy, when you first came to Jesus, you didn't look that much like Jesus. I'll tell you, y'all, when I got saved on my college campus, I knew God had done something in my heart, but my heart didn't make it to my feet yet or my actions or my mouth. I, I, I was in some spots I wasn't supposed to be in. Later on, thank Jesus for repentance. But as I grew, as I began to look more, get older, mature a little bit more, some of the actions that I did in my infancy stage, I didn't do anymore. I started looking more like Jesus. You started looking more like Jesus. And that is the process of sanctification. I got to make sure you get this point, because if you don't realize that God is doing a sanctifying work in you and he's praying to that end, you're going to miss how God wants to use you in a mighty way. And you're going to miss how it's just a basic expectation. I mean, OK, some aunts and uncles in here. We have some caregivers. We have some parents in here. Sometimes a child can get on your nerves. And sometimes parents can get on a child's nerves. My kids better not say amen. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But, but, but when a child is getting on a parent or an adult's nerves, the adult is the one who we expect to show some type of restraint. It is the adult that we hold accountable. It is the adult that we see as the responsible party. How silly would it look if an adult did something really bad to a child and then was like, but you see what the child did? It, it's unexcusable. It's almost like there's nothing a child can do that should force a parent or an adult's hand because as the adult, we are more responsible. We are called to a higher standard. There's a way we are supposed to live that is in connection with our maturity. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I have sanctified you. I have allowed you to experience the beauty of salvation, not so you can keep living the same way. No, so you can start looking more and more like me, reflecting me more and more. And the world will see you looking more and more like me. That's why he talks about what sanctification looks like, and he uses a term that we all know well. First, if you look in Leviticus 20, verses 7 through 8, he says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Keep my decrees. But then he brings it from this from this. From this upper theology, mind, understanding to a very practical, real, everyday situation. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, he says, it is God's will. Well, Paul is saying these words written, from, written by God through Paul. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy 
and honorable. Why does Paul use this understanding? Because you and I, Lord, we pray for mama, care for her, help her, Lord, as she heads out. Allow her breathing to roll smooth. Be with her in Jesus' name. Amen. Why does Paul use the understanding of, of, of sexual immorality? Because we all know what it's like to have urges and want to act on them right away. And he's saying, no, 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 if you're sanctified, you've got to have some control. You can't just be led by your flesh and go do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it with, whenever you want to do it. You and I have to demonstrate control. Control. Control for the sake of glorifying God. Control for the sake of looking more like Jesus. Control because I'm supposed to be a light unto this broken world. Control because God is protecting you from this evil one. So now if God is sanctifying us for a reason, continue with me in John chapter 17. Scroll down to verse 20. And this is going to be where the heart of our understanding comes. Because you're like, Pastor, what does this got to do with evangelism? It's the first understanding of evangelism is that you have been sanctified. Sanctified. That God wants to use you to look more like him. Sanctified for what purpose? Look at me in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. Sometimes we think that, that our walks with God are about us, and don't get it twisted. It is. God is doing a great work in you, but God prays for you in the plural, the church. He prays for all of us together that we would be walking together and that we would be in him dwelling in him as he and the father are in one another, that there would be a oneness. And I love that God always models what he expects us to do. The father, creator of all, is different than Jesus, who is our savior, is different than the Holy Spirit who resurrected Jesus from the, from the dead. Like one God with, with no jealousy among, among roles, among impact, among love. It says there's oneness. And what does oneness look like for a people that are very different? Because some people would have us to believe oneness means the same. That unity means we all got to do the same thing. We all got to be the same way. We all got to act the same way. The only thing that's the same about us right now is we all hot. 
We ain't got the same shoe size. Our teeth ain't the same size. Your hair color ain't the same size. We only got one thing in common in this room. But see, oneness is not us all being the same. Oneness or unity is us being aligned for a common purpose. You know oneness. Oneness ain't just in the church. You could go do some grimy stuff and be aligned with people for the wrong purpose. But God is saying here, I want you aligned for the mutual purpose of bringing me glory and the world seeing me. Me. One of the ways he says that the world gets to see him is through us loving one another. Loving one another. The foundation of our ability to show the world who Jesus is is built on love. Why? Because that's who God is. Does God get angry at times? Yes. Is God jealous at times? Yes. But those are not the foundation of who he is. The foundation of who God is is love. And he says, the way I'm going to allow the world to know me, the way that that a message of who I am is going to get out is through the way y'all treat one another in here. The way that we act towards one another. One another. One another. See, it's tough because, because the, the, the people closest to you also have the potential to hurt you the most. And so sadly, over the years and over time, we oftentimes as Christians have developed not a love for one another, but an anger towards one another. A suspicion towards one another. A hesitancy to open our hearts towards one another. You're supposed to get the benefit of the doubt in the church. I remember... uh, um, watching a, a pastor, this was before I wanted to become a pastor, or before I felt God called me to become a pastor, and he was talking about the, the, the principle that if somebody says something to you about somebody else, the first thing you should do is ask them, well, have you talked to them? Before you come telling me about them, did you go tell them, do they know this? And he said that another pastor called him and said, hey, man, let me tell you about pastor so-and-so. And And the first thing he said was, now, I want to let you know before you proceed, that's my dog. And what you're about to say might be true, but that's still my dog. So just know the filter about what you're saying is coming through the lens of that's my dog. (laughs) And, 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 And you do this. We do this. If somebody calls or is about to tell you something foul about your sibling or your cousin or, or God forbid, your mother, like you're going to be like, huh? Okay, I'm listening, but let me see what you're about to bring. You, you give, we know what it means to give the benefit of the doubt, to even say, I want to hear it, but, but, but no, there's a long relationship here that pre-exists what you're about to say, so you're not about to just come and change my perspective to this person. See, God is saying, what does love look like in the camp? 
What does love look like where we give each other the benefit of the doubt, where we love each other even when we don't agree? Now, I'm not saying somebody that's just coming in trying to teach heretical stuff. Jesus outside, y'all, we all going to go meet him. He, like, like nothing crazy. We're not talking about false doctrine. What we are talking about, though, is that, that we got to be able to love when people have different opinions, different perspectives, and even different theology than us. I don't struggle with a person who comes to me and says, Pastor, I've been reading God's word. And this is where I keep landing. And, it, and, and it's different than, than where you are. Pastor, can we talk through that? Yes. Yes, we got to be able to talk through differences. Who are we? People. If we all see this Bible in the same way, something's probably wrong because we learn from one another, encourage one another. But here's where the struggle happens. When a person says, I feel like God should feel like, look, if I have McDonald's at night and then I go to sleep, I'm going to tell you how I feel in the morning. Like, dang, it made it in there again, y'all. I wasn't even trying that time, for real. Um, Feeling can't be the, the foundation of our understanding of who God is. It's got to be God's word. That's why this whole thing is, 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 is built on the word of truth. But we, as loving one another, have to be willing to agree with differences and still love one another. And, and I'm saddened because I think some of us think we're better than Jesus. Like, like, we are more angry at the church than Jesus is. Jesus said, that's my bride. Jesus says, I'm steadfast. Jesus says, I will outlove them. I will be patient with them. And somehow we have become better than Jesus. No, he models for us. What does it mean to love? We love across difference. We love when, when it's a struggle. We love when we are exhausted. How do we do that? We do that by his sanctifying power. See, we are not doing this out of our own strength. We do this out of our sanctifying love, the love that Jesus used to change us and make us new, allow us to mature and look more like him. It is that power that works through us that lets us love when we don't feel like it. When we don't feel like it. Y'all pray for me that I don't get in trouble because I didn't run this, this example past my wife, but love you. Okay, so here we go. Y'all... My beautiful wife and I get into arguments sometimes. There's been times where the arguments have been heated. I'm talking about heated. And, and, and but, but because of the Holy Ghost and the sanctifying work he has done in us, there is a line that we don't cross. You, you, you know this, even if it's a child. You can say something to a child that can damage them forever, forever. And you know you can do that in marriage, too. So she can be like, you know, your turtle feet. You know, I got snossages for feet, y'all. You know, it just is what it is, you know. And what's going to happen? Tomorrow, we say we good, we heal, we walk outside. What's going to walk past us? A turtle. 
Why? To, to, to reopen that wound. Satan wants to reopen that wound every time we cut each other deep. Why? Because he wants us to keep fighting, to keep bickering, even when we make up, to remind us, well, man, no, maybe I shouldn't forgive her. Maybe I shouldn't forgive him. We got to be sanctified that we don't cut each other. And it's not because they don't deserve being cut. We, we don't cut, we don't hurt, we actually bring words of love because it's what God expects of us. Y'all done heard me say it a million times in an argument with my wife. I'm like, God, get her. Go and tell her. But God's like, I'm telling you. You are accountable to me. You see, some of y'all hear terms, and those terms set you off. Christian conservative, ooh. Christian liberal, ooh. You see, you got, you got people able to just set you off and steal your joy. It's because your vision is not on God and his sanctifying work in you. Your vision is on people. So people get to dictate and got you on this emotional roller coaster. I've seen it in here. I know God's sanctifying hand works because in this room, people have loved me sacrificially. And I've also hurt some people in the room and they've said, Pastor, it's okay. I forgive you. Sometimes saying, it's okay, I don't agree with you. Sometimes saying, you know what? I don't think your theology is correct. We just don't have to agree to disagree, but I still love you. Sometimes we've got to be the bigger person, and I'm asking every believer in this room and at home, why did God sanctify you if it was just to keep you the same? If it was so that you could not be stretched to love somebody that you don't feel like loving. I know that the church is supposed to be a certain way, and we're not there yet. But neither are you. Neither am I. So can we receive grace and extend grace with the person that we don't agree with most in the room? That's love. That's love. And that's what Jesus wants the world to see. He wants the world to be walking down the street and be like, wait, what they doing together? Them folk that's from that crazy background shouldn't even be talking. Look at them having fun together, doing life together. So different, but yet loving. I can't, I can't. This is not normal. Let me go see what this is. Oh, it's a God that infuses all of this. If a God could lead these people to live like this, then maybe I want to check this God out. You see, evangelism is speaking. Don't get me wrong. It is talking to people. It is sharing the good news of who Jesus is. It's also deeds where we get to live out the beauty of God's truth. And I'm begging you to be okay with God convicting you in a sanctifying experience of loving the church, loving yourself, Loving your spouse, loving your children, loving 
God's people. I didn't say that they're nicer. Because some I, I, I can already hear it. You didn't have to say it. I said it in my head. Sometimes non-Christian people are nicer than the Christians. But I'm grateful that that access into Jesus isn't dependent on niceness. See, believing Jesus has died for us makes a bond that allows us to hold each other to a greater accountability, but it also unites us in a way like, no, like the world can't understand. I don't care how many meals are passed out. I don't care how many shoes are bought. I don't care how many pencils are purchased. That is not what gives us access to kingdom. Submitting our lives unto Jesus is what gives us access to the kingdom. And he wants to usher in a new kingdom. And he can't do it if we keep fighting in the kingdom. So let our oneness, our unity, speak maybe even louder than our words sometimes. I'm grateful for the the way our church looks, y'all won't believe it, but I get compliments about the beauty of this church often. People will say, man, like you have a diverse group. You've got diversity in ages, in ethnicity. Like that's a cool image of the kingdom. And I believe it. I celebrate it and I love it. When we were planning out our strategic plan, J.D. Brought, brought to our attention just like one of the key values of who we are. Because you, 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 can, you can be diverse on the surface and the brochure look good. As soon as you close the brochure, everybody in there clicks. And, and, and what he brought to our attention was, man, like, there's just got to be a beauty in our church. There is a beauty in our church, and we want to continue to celebrate it, that, that we are a people that love each other even when we disagree. Yep, you was tripping. Come on over to the barbecue. Yep, you was acting up. I can't believe you believe that. You act, what? That's what you believe? Okay, when the kid's coming over. And, and Edith said, I need $20. <laughs> It's, it's, it, there's got to be a love at the foundation of who we are because it's how he sanctified and made us, but it's also the message that the world gets. And I just want to make sure we're not duped into believing that there's a better message than love. There's no greater message. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you for our worship team that was singing up here, Lord. They they. They ushered in your spirit and welcomed us into, into being opened up to you. Now, God, allow your sanctifying work to happen in our lives. Lord, I know the fans are going loud and it's hot. But, Father, I pray that the seeds that your word planted would dwell in our hearts and take root. Everything is yours. New kingdom, yours. Revenge is yours. So we don't need to walk around hating when you've given us the opportunity to love. One is far weightier and it's a burden that you never intended for us to carry. Help us be a light unto this community, Lord. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Church family, there are three things we want to bring to your attention. Uh, And then we're going to have the worship team sing us out for the benediction. Uh, You can start getting your communion together, but don't take it because we'll take it together. But you can get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, We have uh, a sister who loved on the body well. I came down the steps and she, they was coming up the steps with a uh, peach cobbler that she made for the whole church. So, uh, upstairs in the fellowship hall afterwards, if you would like your uh, taste buds delighting in some delectable, I don't know, I'm trying to say something sweet, y'all. I'm, anyway, uh, yeah, hook me up. We, we're going to have a time of refreshment afterwards, um, and we pray that you're blessed by it. We, we take communion because we want to be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us of what he gave for us, of of the victory we have as a result of his life. And he commanded we do this so that we could could not lose sight and forget, but that we would remember all that we have in Jesus. If you are a person today that says, you know what, I believe in this concept of love, and I want to give my life over to Jesus. I want to live for him. I want to submit to him then simply pray this prayer with me. You can raise your hand, or you can say it out loud, or you can say it loudly but not move your lips. Jesus, I believe you are real. You died for me, a sinner, one who broke your heart, but you loved me so much that you took on the penalty of sin so I could be free. Now I get to live for you, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Those were words. And the words you may not fully comprehend, or you may have just said them. What what matters most is your heart. That you're just like, Lord, I'm ready to live for you. And I want to do that, whatever that looks like. If so... We celebrate you accepting Jesus today into your heart. And you can join us in communion even now.